Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Luke's treatment of this parallel reading is much shorter than Matthew's or Mark's, but his context is slightly different. But common to all three of these is confession of Jesus as the Christ. Jesus warned his disciples not to be hypocritical, as were the Pharisees and the lawyers, as well as telling them not to be afraid of men whose only power is to kill the body. Rather, Christians are to fear God above, God above all, because he is the only one who can kill and throw into hell for eternity. Those who confessed Jesus to be the Christ, the Savior, were threatened by the religious authorities with being put out of the synagogue, excommunicated, as we hear from the healing of the man born blind. This man's parents were afraid of the authorities because they would be put out of the synagogue. And with this in mind, we need to understand why Jesus speaks of the sin against the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Matthew and Mark have the fuller quote, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. All sins, including blasphemy against Jesus. The forgiveness of sins is the most important thing for anyone. Blasphemy is speaking sacrilegiously about God and holy things. Even this God forgives. But there is one sin that cannot be forgiven. And simply put, it is to say no to what the Holy Spirit says about Jesus. That God forgives blasphemy against Christ is proved by the Apostle Paul, who had denied Christ before he was converted on the Damascus Road. And likewise, the thief on the cross who repented and received Christ's comfort in his dying woes, that he would be with Christ in paradise that very day, his sins being forgiven. A few weeks ago in the sermon, I had you turn to the rite of private confession and absolution, and I'm going to ask you to do that again now. Turn to page 292 in your hymnal, page 292 in your hymnal. (laughs) 
And it opens with the penitent speaking. And please read those words with me. Dear Pastor, I ask you please to hear my confession and to pronounce forgiveness to me in order to fulfill God's will. We are saying that confessing and receiving absolution fulfills God's will. God's will centers in forgiving us. The Holy Gospel is all about the forgiveness of sins. That is her heart and her center. It is the core message and mission of Christ's church to dispense this forgiveness to all who believe in Christ. To deny that Jesus is this Christ, the one who came to undo the work of Satan, is the worst sin of all, because it is the sin of unbelief. To say no to Christ, who He is and what He does, blasphemes against God the Holy Spirit. These religious leaders called God's highest good, forgiveness, evil. They said that Jesus did not forgive sins, that he was in league with Satan himself. What is more, they threatened all those who confessed faith in Christ and in his forgiveness. That's why Jesus tells you not to be afraid of those who can kill you physically, but can do no more to you. There is only one that you need to fear, and that is God. And that's the essence of the first commandment. As Luther explains it, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things and persons. Think for a moment about the sweeping nature of Jesus' words that all sins will be forgiven the children of man. Perhaps you watched some of the trial of Dr. Larry Nasser, the doctor who was convicted of sexually molesting so many of the young gymnasts who were being treated, or whom he treated. The presiding judge addressed him in scathing terms. Many people said that there is a special place in hell for him. Many called his crimes unforgivable. Or take infamous mass murderers and others who should be forgiven. Nicholas Cruz, who deliberately killed 18 persons at a school. Or Dr. Kermit Gosnell, who was convicted of murdering three infants who were born alive at his abortion clinic in Philadelphia. Or all of the abortionists who have taken over 50 million lives in this nation alone since Roe v. Wade. Or the usual list of suspects responsible for the atrocities in World War II. Atrocities numbering in the tens of millions. The list of those who commit such heinous crimes is long and keeps growing. These people, we are told and believe, do not 
deserve forgiveness. And they would be right. They don't deserve it. But neither do you nor I. Our sin is like that of the religious leaders who thought that they didn't need forgiveness because they weren't such big sinners as the others. Jesus called that hypocrisy. Maybe we just don't think that our sins are that bad, that we can pay for them with those coins in our pockets. Small sins we excuse, especially our own. But for those big ones like these people who appear in the headlines like those sins that they committed, not so much. Yet as, yet, as I said on Ash Wednesday, it isn't so much a matter of sins as it is sin. The quantity doesn't matter, nor does the quality. It may come as a shock to you, and I believe that many of you have heard of this, but one of our army chaplains Chaplain Garricky during World War II was assigned to tend to the spiritual needs of many of the top Nazis at the Nuremberg trials. Surprisingly, a number of them repented of their horrific deeds and asked for absolution from the chaplain. And they received it. It seems incredible, but it is true. If it is the will of God to forgive sinners, then when He forgives them, they are forgiven. All sins, even the worst of sinners. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, all human beings are born in sins. Sin, we commit sins constantly, for we daily sin much and indeed deserve nothing but punishment, Luther teaches in his explanation of the fifth petition of the Our Father. You and I have all kinds of sins, most of which we would not want others to know or see. And some are so dark that we ourselves wonder whether God can forgive them. That's the opposite of the Jewish leaders. Yet whatever your sins, whatever your sins, Christ forgives them. Period. Take a breath and try to take in the scope of these words of Jesus. All sin. How can there be justice when murderers and those who prey upon children and women can get forgiveness? Where's the justice? Well, dear friends, justice has been dispensed. It happened when our Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary. 
justice fell upon Christ, the Lamb of God. Ye who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here may view its nature rightly, here its guilt may estimate. Mark the sacrifice appointed, see who bears the awful load. Tis the Word, the Lord's anointed, Son of Man and Son of God. So, the hymn writer. Yet we must be careful not to confuse the kingdom of God's left hand, that is, the government, with the kingdom of God's right hand, the Holy Christian Church. It is indeed the government's duty and right to punish criminals, not to forgive them. Scripture is very clear about that. Even though some Christians get it all mixed up by equating the government with the church. But it is Christ's proper work to distribute forgiveness to the world. And this he does in the Holy Christian Church. Take today's epistle from Ephesians 2, because it says so well about anyone's deserving forgiveness. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. God declares you not guilty of your sins, that is, He forgives you purely out of His grace. You didn't deserve it, nor did I, because Christ earned it by His innocent life, suffering, and death on the cross. He shouldered the awful burden of this world's sin and guilt from the very worst and unspeakable sins to the seemingly trivial sins, and he carried them in his own body as the only sacrifice that could be made for them. And that sacrifice was enough to cause God to forgive you. It is his will to forgive you. But all sins are forgiven except one because it is the sin of unbelief, the sin against the Holy Spirit. Notice where the forgiveness of sins is located in the Creed. In the Apostles' Creed, it's not in the second article about Jesus Christ where one might expect it. It's there in the third article 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. Third article. The forgiveness of sins is placed right after the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, where holy baptism, holy absolution, and holy communion are dispensed to sinners who repent of their sins and believe in Christ for their forgiveness. And so the Word and the sacraments are your lifeblood. It is through them that Christ forgives you. It is necessary then that you use them because they are the Holy Spirit's means by which He brings Christ's forgiveness to you. And that is the Holy Spirit's work to bring Christ to you, His forgiveness, all of the blessings that He has earned for you on the cross. Christ was sent to suffer the abuse and the scorn of the world. As Isaiah so amply points out in chapter 53, But the Holy Spirit was not sent to be blasphemed or reviled. The will of God is to forgive you. God the Holy Spirit forgives your sins for Christ's sake out of God's pure grace and mercy. He forgives the very worst that you have done, the very worst that the worst sinner has done. He does not want you to be separated from Him forever. And thus the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit to work repentance and faith in you and to preserve you in this saving faith until your life's end. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus.